Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,537. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. I am revved up and very excited to share with you today a very special guest calling in from Durham. His name is Lawrence Baxter. Lawrence Baxter is the proprietor of Bespoke British Sports Cars, an importer of custom-built, very exclusive recreations of Jaguars and classics by Lynx and Proteus. These automobiles include the Lynx XKSS and the McQueen Tribute Porsche 911, and the Proteus C-Type. He is also a member of a race experience company that operates Kaizen Motorsports and Formula Experiences. Lawrence is the co-owner of one of the first Corvette C8s that will be put on the track later this year. He's also the David T. Zhang Professor of the Practice of Law at Duke Law University or School. He was the Executive Vice President and Chief E-Commerce Officer at Wachovia Corporation and has helped a number of startups in the Charlotte area. We're going to be back in a minute to talk to Lawrence, but first a word from our valued sponsors that make this show possible. We'll be right back. Do you know the best way to protect your special vehicle, both the inside and the outside, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, back when I was in high school. I've been around a long time. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking brand new. And they have manufactured premium quality exterior and interior covers here in the United States with a reputation for durability and design for a very long time. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom pattern vehicle covers, and they're crafted to fit tens of thousands of patterns, and that's growing. You can choose from a dozen fabric options and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. I protected my rides with their covers for over 40 years, and you know what? You should too. And I've got a deal for you. Right now, you can get 10% off your order using a special Cars Yeah code. The code is YEAH120. Use that code when you check out and you get 10% off your order. What a deal. That's at Covercraft.com. Be sure to use the code YEAH120 at checkout for your 10% off. That's Covercraft.com. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for enthusiasts and collectors. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car or if you have 200 in your garage. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get an exclusive SCM guide to restoration shops included for free. And I've got a couple very cool offers. One is if you go and subscribe to their digital subscription, you're going to get 50% off using the code CARS. Yeah, that's right. 50% off their digital subscription. But wait, that's not all. If you go and subscribe and get their print magazine and use the code BSH, you get $10 off. That's right. $10 off. Why BSH? 
Well, that's the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast that I do every Tuesday with Keith Martin. You'll find it here on the Cars yeah! website or using your mobile device with any mobile device podcast app, or you can find it at sportscarmarket.com. That's Buy, Sell, Hold, the essence of collecting. Lawrence, welcome to Cars Yeah, my friend. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Uh, I am. I've got a three-point seat belt on, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, we'll have some fun here. You deal with some incredibly cool cars. Uh, boy, um, I can't wait to talk to you here today. But first, I'm going to ask you this question. What's one thing that most people don't know about Lawrence Baxter? I think it's probably my very magpie-like background. I've, I have a, had a very eclectic career, academic, business person, lawyer, uh, back to academic, and um, now a sort of jack-of-all-trades, and you know how that old adage goes. Master of none. Well, you know, I think it, I find it fascinating because when I discovered you and asked you to be a guest here, I was looking back over your history and everything, and I went, wait a minute, why did I invite a law professor on the show? What what does this have to do with it? And I went, oh, okay, now I see what we're talking about, some very cool British sports cars and your life around this new vet that you've got and what you're going to be doing with it. So I think we're going to have a lot of fun here today. I think it's going to be great. And we're going to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a really nice way to get those inspirational tires smoking here on Cars. Yeah. So Lawrence, grab the wheel. If, uh, you know, Mark, I don't always follow this advice, but it has influenced me and I know that I should always follow it. And that is the (laughs) phrase my dad taught me when I was growing up, which was, if I was going to do anything, I should do it right if I was going to do it at all. Mm. As I look back and things that I have done when my, my heart has not been there or I've taken a shortcut, it's actually been worse than average. Uh, but when my passion was there and I knew that it had to be done right, I've always been proud of what I've done. Yeah. You know, it's a great concept. And your dad was a wise man. I think that's a great way to go through life. And, you know, there's another saying that kind of relates to this. Why is there always, there's never enough time. Well, I shouldn't say never, but if there wasn't enough time to do it right the first time, why is there always enough time to go back and fix what you messed up? I think the way this quote works for you is uh, absolutely positive. And the fact that you applied this passion term to it is what cars yeah is all about people that have wrapped their passion for cars and trucks and motorcycles into their careers to be successful so give me an example of how you've incorporated that into what you're doing there at bespoke british sports cars well i've gotten uh, more and more interested and maybe this is the sort of academic side of me uh, in the long-term history of these gorgeous cars, uh, and it, I confined it at first to a sort of wave of nostalgia when I got not really wealthy, but when I was able to afford cars that I couldn't afford when I was 18 years old, I, I started to read about them, and I was fascinated by why they came into existence at all. You know, nowadays, they're beautiful supercars but uh, and SUVs, but they tend to look a lot like each other. Uh, whereas if you go back to the 50s and 60s and early 70s, um, the the adventurism of the designers and the manufacturers started to fascinate me. 
And I learned more and more. And, you know, everybody knows about Malcolm Sayer, who joined Jaguar from the Bristol Aircraft Corporation, brought aerodynamics back after Detroit had decided not to pay much attention to it in the 30s. And it came to be clear to me that it was not just a mechanical achievement or a fabrication achievement. Uh, it was a functional art form. And that really inspires me because th that is a combination of skill, talent, and passion. And so passion has, I think, always been very often the unacknowledged trigger for me in doing something well, which is, I think the old adage goes, uh, if you find something you are passionate about, you will never have to work a day in your life. Yes, absolutely. Well, it plays true. And if you're going to spend, we spend so much time in our careers and in our work, we might as well be enjoying that time. And I've had, well, 1,536 people before you on this show that have expressed that very same adage. And many of them came from other industries where they maybe weren't so happy. And when they finally found their passion, that made their whole life really, really more enriched and happier and, and more helpful to the people that they're serving as well. Well, let's talk more about your business because I find it fascinating Jaguar is the car that started it for me way back when I was a little boy. My father bought me a Jaguar XKE Coupe Matchbox by Lesney. I still have it sitting here on my desk. Uh, something that has always stayed with me. He had an MGTC for a while, which was the first car. Well, actually, the first car I ever rode in, real car, was an MGA that my dad borrowed from a friend uh, and drove around in. So I guess my roots go back to MG, Jaguar, Britain, uh, somehow there, uh, my lineage certainly and my family does. Tell our listeners about your business, what exactly you do, what you provide people, and uh, all the fun that you're creating for a lot of automotive enthusiasts. Sure. And um, it's actually going through a, a bit of a transition at the moment. So I'll tell you what we have done and then what uh, we're hoping to do over the next uh, year or two. Ah, great. You know, so the background is that it's an accidental business. That's sort of been like everything I've done in my life. It's not really <laughs> well planned. I fell in love with the Jaguar C-Type, uh, mostly because of the history uh, about it and uh, the you know early Le Mans win. Uh, and I started to read about it. I thought it was just a gorgeously flowing design. And I knew I could never hope to afford and maybe even never see a real one. So I started to look for replicas or recreations or evolutions, as Proteus calls them. And I settled on uh, the Proteus and sent an email off to the then CEO and chairman of Proteus, uh, the uh, wonderful man who's passed away now. Uh, and I never heard anything back. So I thought, well, I will just stick to the cars I can really afford. And that's fine. And I'll always just admire it. I got an email six months later out of the blue. Uh, from Nigel Forsyth, who is the man in question. Uh, and he said, uh, I've only just found this email in our email box. Are you still interested? So we set up conversation, and one thing led to another, and I worked out how I could afford a Proteus C-Type. And um, uh, so I had it made, and I was still thinking of it solely in terms of just uh, owning it and driving it, because one one key for me with all the cars I've ever owned is, you know, there must be cars that, that I must, must be able to drive, not a museum piece. And um, while in the process, I also got to know his company, his other company, Lynx, and the 
XKSS, which, uh, you know, Americans always know as the car owned by Steve McQueen, King of Cool, was extremely iconic. And I learned a bit about that they made them. So he then uh, put out a little teaser for me and he said, if you buy one of these, we would want you, since you own them and we can't carry enough inventory to have demo vehicles, we would want you to represent us in the United States. Well, that was terribly tempting. And uh, like most things, I agreed to do something before I knew anything about it. And I agreed to be their representative for both Proteus and Lynx. And I've done that now for a few years. And in the process, have helped people um, put together special orders for them. And actually, recently, we found one that was already built where the, the buyer actually was willing to sell it and brought those across the United States. Very, very small numbers. But at the same time, always just a joy to speak with the people who are interested in them, to watch the debates about replicas versus originals, uh, and to think hard about where the true value lies. And so up to this point, it's been a case of mild marketing for both Proteus and Lynx, uh, visiting them a few times uh, in Britain and at one stage in the Czech Republic when uh, I went to visit one of the plants that has now been moved to Britain, and just learning uh, with, through Concours, uh, it, just a bunch of wonderful people um, and, and discovering so many dimensions to cars. So that's where we've got to at this point. But last year, uh, well, the year before last, Nigel Forsyth passed away unexpectedly and it created a considerable, shall we say, not really turbulence, but a, a need to figure out the future for both companies. And uh, Proteus and Lynx uh, became financially separated completely because Chris Randall uh, bought Proteus uh, wholly, and Lynx was bought uh, by the partial owners before that. Lynx was moved to Britain, and although they are financially separate, Lynx and Proteus are actually housed uh, in the same headquarters building, uh, Hoffman's of Henley, and have spent a lot of time figuring out the future. Proteus has committed to an extremely exciting project that I wish I could talk about, but I'm not allowed to. But uh, in the next few months, you will see a wonderful unveiling of a uh, a series of vehicles uh, that they are doing uh, for another very prominent partner. And Lynx has uh, moved all its production to Britain to take advantage of the uh, very high quality um, Superform process that's done in, in Coventry and are now uh, zeroing in on the production of Lynx XKSS, uh, which is a you know replica um, of the, the originals and the continuation models. In fact, we like to think that um, we've been doing the, the replicas for a lot longer than Jaguar has been doing the continuation models. And also a Porsche 911 to be a, a Lynx vehicle, uh, which is a sort of tribute car um, to the best of the 911s. And uh, while they are getting that all redone and a uh, new website built, I'm in a little bit of a holding pattern where I've been acting as a go-between between interested buyers and uh, the two companies. And right now we're, we're not ready to come out of the starting gates again, but it will be very soon. Well, this is exciting. And I think it's so cool. You mentioned a couple of things there that, that ring true to me. 
these types of cars, which have become unobtainium to mere mortals as myself, because of the prices, this is a way to enjoy them. I had a Beck Spider years ago, of course, tribute car to the 550. It, you know, everyone thinks of James Dean, and I love that car. It was built by John Wilhoyt, who builds and restores very nice 356 Porsches and early long hood 911s and short hood 911s and 912s. And I got so much joy out of that car driving. It was so much fun. And I think of your vehicles is very similar that you can take them, you can enjoy them, you can drive them. It's not to say they're cheap in any way, but they're not millions and millions of dollars where you tend to never leave it parked anywhere or you'd be too scared to take it out and drive it. um, So it ends up being a garage queen or a museum piece. So I can't wait to hear the new news that's coming out. I love this whole concept of 911s because I'm a big 911 fan. So you make sure you stay in touch with me so I can put that forward to my listeners on social media and we can tell them what the next steps are with bespoke British sports cars. This is very, very exciting. Well, let's talk about a challenge or a failure that you faced along the way. You have such an eclectic, multifaceted background in your careers, and I love your story so far. It's really been great. Take us to a time and a place where you were greatly challenged, but then tell us what that learning process was so that you could move forward in a very positive way. Well, I'll make it so basic that you may burst out laughing. Oh, okay. I have a great admiration for entrepreneurs. I'm not much of one myself. It's always been small time with me, but I've never begrudged entrepreneurs who've made, uh, been very successful and made large amounts of money. And the, I finally found out why. Um, I had thought, because my father was a serial entrepreneur, that I was one. Turns out I've always been with big institutions. Um, you mentioned Wachovia, the bank, I'm with Duke University, uh, wonderful institutions in which I had the safety of large-scale operations. And I had never been doing what people like my father and and the the thousands and millions of entrepreneurs around the world do, which is going out and taking a risk. So the the basic part was um, I helped found an organization called the Innovation Institute when I was was the chair of the McColl Center for Visual Art in in Charlotte. And I, I helped the executive director found it. And the idea was that you'd take artists and you would put them together with a facilitator and then bring business executives in to learn about creativity and innovation. Uh, one of the reasons I was involved is that I'd had a, an internal unit at Wachovia that uh, developed new businesses. So we, I was very happy that got set up. And she then said to me, Lawrence, you're going to have to take that course. And I, with some indignance, I said, what? I know all about this. I don't need to take any course at this stage <laughs> of my life. And she said, yes, you do. And she didn't let it go. So I signed up to take the course. And the first day we had it, um, the artist walked us through uh, something that surprised me, which was the discipline that artists have. I had always assumed they were crazy people who got up and had brilliant ideas in the morning, and then they produced great works of art. And of course, I learned that that's not the case that they work very, very hard and there's a lot of trial and error. And to drive the point home, the artist said, your homework for the next session is to go away and find a time in which you took a genuine risk. Well, that also sounds pretty mundane. But what he said was when you that time has to be when you didn't have a plan B or a plan C, you actually took a risk and you didn't know what would happen. Mm. So I went away and I spent days thinking about this and I eventually came up 
with the only time I could really think of taking a massive risk and not knowing what would happen. This is the part where you'll kind of roll your eyes. Okay. It was when I first kissed a girl. Oh, well, you know, that's a lot of young men. Yeah, <laughs> that's a big risk. I've been there, done that. <laughs> that's right. And, and I had no idea if uh, I would get whacked or get a slap in the face or what. But uh, it, it was plunging into the abyss. <laughs> uh, and and I, it taught me, well, as it turned out, our teeth just bumped. And so it was all very embarrassing. <laughs> but but uh, it taught me that true entrepreneurs and especially innovators, the Steve Jobs of the world and so on, are willing to take a risk that could end in total catastrophe. And that's why I admire them so much. So I went to my dad, he was still alive at the time, and I said, Dad, you started all these businesses. Um, first of all, where did you learn how to do what you started? And he said, well, I didn't. Um, I knew I would have to learn on the job. And I said, did you, how did you live with that? And he said, I used to lie awake at night worrying about whether I could meet payroll on Friday. And I realized the risks they took were so much greater and that they still take than I ever took within the safety of big institutions uh, that uh, this, is what, this is what creativity and innovation were all about. This is an artist who's willing to put their art out in front of the public and endure the social scorn that it might generate. Uh, and so that's the biggest lesson uh, for me, I think, is uh, is taking on something that's overwhelmingly frightening and actually going through with it. And, you know, sometimes you get lucky and, and you can pull it off. You know, this is a wonderful story. I, I love every bit of this and the relationship to uh, diving in for that first kiss when you're a young man, <laughs> a young woman. Uh, it is so apropos for this because you just don't know what might happen and it could all... Exactly. Could, it, could, it could be the beginning of something very wonderful, or it could all just blow up in your face and get slapped and yeah. she walks away. So this is fantastic. You know, it rings true to me in so many ways. My father was had his own business, very much an entrepreneur. He was also an artist and a painter. And he uh, did a thing after he retired where he helped uh, terminally ill patients uh, learn how to create art. These are people who were going to die from their illness. And he wanted to give them something else to focus on and also something to leave behind for their family members. And he rem he told me lots of stories about all these people that he met. And he said a lot of them would say, well, I can't paint. And he would say, have you ever tried? And they would say, well, no, because I can't do it. Well, then how do you know? And don't be afraid to fail. And you just start. So you just put paint on the canvas. Do it any way you want. Just start. Just do it. And learn as you go. And this is exactly what you were talking about. And I love the fact that this ties to artistic background and artists in the process because I've had hundreds of automotive artists on the show. So what a delightful story. I think that's absolutely brilliant. And yeah, your, your, your poor dad laying in bed at night, how am I going to make payroll? And of course, during this very challenging time we're facing right now with this virus, uh, there's so many people that are going through that right now. It's uh, right, yeah. heart, heartbreaking. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's an amazing story. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us. We're going to take a short break. Thank some of our sponsors here, and we will be right back. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? 
If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting, but what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars Yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know. Everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. All right, we are back, and I would love for you to share a story with us that uh, instigated this passion that you have for cars. When did that happen? What was that pivotal moment in your life when you went, you know what, I think I'm a car guy? I was a bit unwitting about it at first. Um, my father's idea of my summer vacation was that I would go down to his machine shop and learn how to operate lathes and milling machines and shapers and so on. Um, and I actually quite enjoyed that, but it wasn't every schoolboy's uh, dream of what they would do through the summer. So it seemed a little uh, prosaic for me until the excitement on Fridays. Uh, we lived near a, a, a racetrack that was actually a bit famous at the time, Roy Hisketh Circuit uh, in South Africa. And um, on Fridays uh, during practice, the race drivers would, of course, experience breakages and so on. And sometimes they would even have to have a part custom made and made really quickly. And they would come in uh, to my dad's shop where he had some very skilled artisans and they would machine parts uh, on the fly. And so there was a little bit of a thrill going on there that, that these parts would not just go out into some machinery and never be seen again, but they were actually going onto the racetrack where you had people of the likes of, you know, Brian Redman and that would come down and race. So I had a mild interest in it and made a little more real by my dad taking me to the races uh, occasionally. Uh, but the big turning point was not the wonderful cars that I was, had uh, some access to so much as working as a bookkeeper during a later summer vacation for a semi-professional race car driver by the name of John Truter. That did two things for me. The first was that it convinced me I needed to be a lawyer and not a bookkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> and it had taken some convincing because in South Africa, you had to take Latin at university level to become a lawyer, and that had been scaring the wits out of me. But that leave that aside. One day, John said to me, have you ever been in a race car? And I said, no. So he said, come with me. And we jumped into his truck and we went out to the track and he pulled out his Alpha Spider. And I, to this day, as vividly as if it happened yesterday, I remember him driving us into the first corner and thinking I was going to die. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think everybody's had that experience for the first time. It was like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe this vehicle is actually going to get around the corner at that speed. Yes. Uh, well, of course, you know, he did. And I started to realize the thrill of it all. And um, at that time, we still had Formula One racing there. It was long before I came to America. And um, I started to listen intently to the Grand Prix. Um, we never had television at the time, but we had radio and I'd listen to Formula One and Kyle Army in South Africa ran the Formula One Grand Prix every year. And so I started to realize that cars meant a lot more to me than I thought they did. And so it was that point, it was that first corner on the racetrack 
<laughs> I'm smiling here because I had a similar experience, although I was used to being in fast cars. I was actually racing vintage cars at the time, and I went to visit uh, Alawi Roof in Pfaffenhusen, I may be saying that wrong, uh, Germany, where he builds his famous roof cars. And he asked me, you want to go for a ride in the famous Yellowbird? And I went, yeah. And he said, okay, my driver is going to take you for a ride. So we get in this car and this gentleman looks over at me and he goes, are your belts tight? And I said, yes. And he reaches over and he cinches them down. He goes, not tight enough. And, <laughs> and I go, okay. And then we take off down this it's a little town, you know, in Germany, and we take off out into the farm fields, and I'm thinking, well, we must be going to go to a track or something, and he just starts going faster and faster and faster, and I'm like, oh my gosh, and we're passing these guys in tractors, and we come up to this place where I see this field of corn or barley or something, and I'm thinking, where the heck does the road go? Why is he still accelerating? Why aren't we st slowing down and all of a sudden, jam on the brakes, right-hand turn, sharp right-hand turn, one. <laughs> I got back, and I, I could barely stand up. My knees were shaking so much from that. I'm like, whoa, that was crazy. So I understand. I've been there, I've done that. Well, let's talk about your first really special car. Is there a, a car? I mean, maybe it's the, the car that you talked about earlier that you had built for yourself, but your first really special vehicle. Yes, it was actually the second car I owned. Uh, I was very lucky. I, right from the get-go, I had a Triumph Spitfire as the first one, and I loved that car. But the second car was an Alpha GT Junior, the 1300cc model. Yeah. A and it was actually my mother's, but my father wanted my mother to drive a, a GTV 2000. And my poor mother would cooperate with all this, but she she basically was the excuse for these cars. So I, I bought the GT Junior from, from my father, and I love that car. It's actually created a, a permanent schizophrenia with me because although you've been, as you rightly mentioned, British sports cars have been my background. I love Italian cars too, and uh, I, I, you know, all the way to the present. And uh, that car was so alive and so connected to the road and so gorgeously designed uh, that uh, it was just an inspiration for me. I, I, I still have a very old photo of me actually cleaning it. Um, I used to clean that car, I think, probably every second day. Oh, yeah. And Sounds like your dad was a very cool dude because uh, to have your mom, well, I'm going to take you out of the, the junior and put you in a, another <laughs> one. And and Alphas, who doesn't love the looks of Alphas? Oh. They're just wonderful. I got to drive a, I had a friend who had a race car, GTA race car, actually the car that Joachim Moss raced in in the very first uh, series they ran those things in. And they're just delightful cars. But that, I mean, Spitfire, then Alpha GT. What a life you've lived, Lawrence. Been very lucky. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this is really, really cool. Well, let me get into your head a little bit here and ask you this question, which I'll bet no one's ever asked you this before. If you woke up tomorrow and you were manifest as a vehicle, what would Lawrence Baxter be and why? My goodness. Uh, and it's that I would be a vehicle, not the vehicle that I would want to have. Correct. It'd be, yeah. It's how you perceive yourself if you were manifest as a vehicle. Yeah. This might be surprising, but I think it would be the car that I have as my daily driver now, um, which is the Alfa Romeo Quadro, um, Giulia Quadrifoglio. The reason is not because it, it's one of the fastest four-door cars in the world, which it is, but because it's a combination of very high performance. It has a, essentially a Ferrari V6 engine in it and understated looks. 
Now, people do notice it when I when I start to fill up with uh, gas. Uh, I very often will have somebody come and say, "What is that?" You know, because Alpha sort of lost its brand for a long time in America. And when I say it's an Alpha Romeo, a lot of people say, "What's that?" So it's understated most of the time, but some people do sense it. But it is enormously; uh, it delivers enormously. And so I I like to think that that's what I try to do. People, you know, will say, "Well, of course." He's got a British type of background, so he doesn't show a lot of emotion. Now, I don't go further and say, actually, I'm half British and half German, which makes it even worse. Because <laughs> <laughs> my mother was German and very Teutonic. But um, th- that's actually, I think, as far as I would get. I, I did sometimes, uh, I-, I came very close to buying an Alpha Montreal recently. I just couldn't afford to go as high as it deserved to go in price. And uh, that would be the sportier version, though it's a lot older. Um, I think that is, you know, that's how I would like to be. Uh, the quadrifoglio today is how I like to think I am. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think you did that very well. Uh, exactly. I love it. And uh, beautiful cars. And yeah, kind of fun when people don't quite know what it is you're driving. Uh, I even had a, a older Porsche 914 for a short time. I usually, I've had lots of 911s. And a lot of younger people would come over in a gas station and go, what is this thing? And I'd say, it's a Porsche. And they're like, I've never seen a Porsche like this before. And that's when you know you're really old because you're like, how could you not have ever seen a 914? But the Alphas are beautiful. So I love it. That's a great answer, Lawrence. All right. We are entering what I call the last lap. I'm going to fire off some questions for you and have you uh, give us some quick blips of that Alpha Julia throttle. So here we go. What's a personal habit that you believe has helped you be successful throughout life? I think a discipline um, that I try to maintain a regular schedule uh, in work. In a way, everybody needs a vacation, but when I go on vacation, I fall apart. I literally get nothing done because I lurch from productivity to laziness. Um, Maybe that's a good thing or not, but personal discipline. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's tough. I know. I understand too. I, when, I used to take vacations with my kids and my my wife. Um, I'd really need like 10 days because it would take me three or four days just to get into the mode because I'd just be so antsy, you know, and yeah. I can't, how can I sit still? And my wife would read, read this book, you know, or go for a swim with the kids or whatever it was. But uh, yeah, I always needed more time to get down. It always, at the end, it was always good because it refreshes your batteries and gets you, your mind is still working on work. You just don't even realize it sometimes. It's still moving. That's fair. How about if I could uh, arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased? Who would it be? Gosh, the three names that come to mind, I'll settle on one of them. Uh, Briggs Cunningham, because uh, what a, a wonderful history he had. That's one person I would love to get to know, and I knew very little about him in his heyday because, you know, where I lived, uh, there wasn't a lot of news about Americans driving, racing British cars. Roy Salvadori, who raced the Jaguars, um, he's intrigued me as somebody who would have have an awful lot to say about what it was like to live in that time. Uh, But I I think if if, if I were forced to choose uh, Sir Sterling Moss, uh, he's seen everything. He's achieved everything. Uh, what a legend. Uh, I would love to have some of his time just to tell me about his memories and his insights and learnings. Yes, uh, most definitely. I had a, and some of my regular listeners is going to have to hear this story again, but it's just too good. I have to tell you. 
Uh, I was at Retromobile in Paris years ago and was invited out to dinner by one of the auction houses. And he said, we're going to have a small, private, intimate dinner. We're going to rent a room in the upper level of this little French restaurant. There'll be about eight of us. And I said, okay. So I met, met them down in the lobby of the hotel. And he said, well, we're waiting for two more people. And I said, that's cool. And I turn and look, and walking down the hallway is Sir Sterling Moss and his lovely wife. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's Sterling Moss. And he walks right up, and they all say hello, and he introduces me. And I said, you're having dinner with us? And so I got to spend about three and a half hours sitting between he and his lovely wife, listening to them banter back and forth and their stories. And I don't even think I ate my meal. I don't even remember what my meal was. It was a delightful restaurant. It was just incredible. I kept pinching myself going, how did I get here? How did I get here? How did I get here? How did this happen? Oh, boy, that's priceless. Yes, it was. And here's the worst part of it all. I didn't have my phone with me, no cameras. I didn't even get a picture of it, you know, because I'm like, oh, I got it. And I went, oh, I left my phone back in the room. And yeah, but it was just uh, marvelous. I've always wanted to have him on this show. He was scheduled many times. He started to kind of become ill. And of course, now at his age, he's having some challenges. And I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, wow, what an evening that was. Yes, you would have a wonderful time with Sir Sterling Amos for sure. How about the best automotive advice someone else has ever given you? What would that be? Well, I've had a couple of cars, a few cars restored. Uh, and early on, I was given advice I did not really believe, but I do now, which is it always costs you at least 50% more than you think it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, always. <laughs> the hard way. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. That's for sure. Is there a resource out there that's a go-to for you that you'd like to share you think that our listeners would enjoy? I mentioned earlier that my own website is dependent on the transitions happening in Britain with Links and Proteus. So my website, bespokebritishsportscars.com, is it's accurate, but it's going to quickly become out of date. I like to use the Petrolicious site. I love seeing their videos and uh, reading the historical pieces that they have. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm a founder member of their new uh, club. Um, the Lynx website is being completely revamped, but that is going to be very good. I've seen the early drafts of it. I use Bring a Trailer a lot um, because I love the way in which uh, the, the social commentary on there, if you disregard some of the opinionated stuff, it's very educational. And I can learn a lot about a car by just picking my way through the, the more thoughtful and considered comments. So Bring a Trailer is just a, a very regular site for me. And then um, I'm, I am... Uh, a driver member of Formula Experiences, and their website has lots of fun videos and that. It's not very different from many other websites, but it's one that I like to go and look at because it reminds me of the joy that I've had uh, when I ventured out onto the track as an old man. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Yeah, I've had Afshin, who started Petrolicious as a guest on the show, Randy Nonnenberg, uh, bring a trailer has been a guest on the show and of course now lawrence baxter from bespoke british sports cars been a guest on the show so all great websites great fun places to go and and spend time and enjoy and yeah every time bring a trailer sends me an email just they eat up an hour of my morning looking at all exactly. the cars all the cars i can't afford to buy or uh, <laughs> I, I didn't even know i wanted and now i do so i yeah. know that's the, they're wicked about that <laughs> i know i know in fact when randy was on this show he had just about to launch the auction that his has become so popular and successful for them. It, they didn't even have it yet at that time. I need to get him back on the show because that's been quite some time. How about a book, Lawrence? Is there a book you'd like to share with our uh, listeners? 
can I pick a novel and a, a and an autobiography? Of course, yes. Well, for the novel, one of the most lovely escape books, I think, is actually a, an autobiography in disguise. It's called The Last Open Road. Bert Levy, he, you know, he wrote. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just so lyrical and it's so beautiful about the simplicity and innocence of the main character. I I, I never have had a chance at, at these concours to go and ask Bert and say, hey, is this really about you? Because if it isn't, you must know that person really well. Oh, buddy Columbo, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that whole drive to Elkhart Lake from New York and back, and uh, it, it's just a, f a lovely book for uh, somebody who likes cars and uh, as best I can tell, very uh, accurate historically. Um, so that's the, the, the novel, pseudo-novel. Of autobiographies, gosh, I, I'm torn between Brian Redman's book. Brian, I met him. Uh, in fact, he signed the book for me, and I have a particular interest in that he did race on the local track that uh, I um, live near um, in a, a series called the Springbok Series. But what he talks about is what a dangerously bloody sport motor racing was in the 60s and 70s and how so many people close to him and then he himself had a terrible accident. Yeah, almost burned up, yeah. That's right. But there's a, there's a modesty about him that I find so rewarding. Um, he, you know, he achieved so much, but when he writes, it's, it's all about the lessons he learned in a modest and not self-aggrandizing manner. I think, that's, I think its title is Daring Drivers, Deadly Tracks, something like that. And the other one is Hurley uh, Hayward, uh, who I, I just think he's a wonderful role model in the racing industry and in that, you know, he uh, not only achieved huge success a decade or, or more later, um, but, you know, everybody says, well, it's just a sort of macho man sport. But actually, he talks about how well he was treated, even though, as he says at one point in his book, by 1981, everybody in the industry knew he was gay at a time when culturally this was very hard to deal with for the public. I, I just think uh, the honesty of both of those books is I, I found it at parts moving, you know, that the people are willing to speak so honestly about themselves. Yes, I think those are wonderful books. Great books you mentioned there. Uh, Bert Levy's been a guest a couple times here on Cars. I've known her for decades from my vintage racing days and being at tracks. Last Open Road. And he just released a couple months ago an audiobook version of Last Open Road, which is, oh, it's absolutely spectacular. I actually have a cameo in there. I got to say a few lines and be a part of that. It's done in an old 50s radio show format. I'll put a link to that on the website because if for those of you who haven't got that in your hands, you need to go to his website and order it. It's a wonderful listen. Brian Redmond was a guest here. In fact, I had him on my show on his birthday and he sang me the British birthday song, which I'd never heard before, which is <laughs> hilarious. And his book is absolutely fantastic. And Hurley has been a guest on the show here too, two times. And along with Sean Cridlin, who co-wrote the book, The Autobiography with Hurley Haywood. Those are all wonderful, wonderful, really intimate heartwarming stories of these gentlemen's lives uh, and even Bert yeah I always wonder is that is he buddy uh, I don't know if he'll ever give that up but uh, we'll see and uh, listeners you can go back and listen to all those gentlemen here on the Cars yeah website just go up and look at the resources tab uh, type in the name and you'll find everything Lawrence has shared on his own show notes page here on Cars yeah Lawrence Baxter just type that in there all right Lawrence we're up to the checkered flag this last question can be a bit of a doozy I'm going to buy you a very cool collector car today doesn't matter what it is or who owns it i'm going to park it in your garage but there are some rules you have to drive it you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with but it's the only one collector car you can have so if 
the car you have now is the one you want to keep, that's cool. means I don't have to buy you anything. But if you want me to spend a little money, I'm more than happy to do it. What will it be? Well, the qualification that you give that you have to drive it uh, makes it easy for me because I would never want a car that I didn't feel good driving many days a week. I've never driven an Aston Martin in my life, but I've always wanted to have one. And the the Superleggeria right now just is, I think that would be it. Um, and yet I'm not sure I'm qualified to say I want it since I've never even sat in an Aston Martin. Uh, <laughs> I've never met anybody who didn't say they were the best cars they've ever owned. Well, they're beautiful. And uh, the Superleggeria is, is just crazy cool. Uh, yeah, you know, I do a second podcast with Keith Martin titled Buy, Sell, Hold, where we interview people in the collector world. And Stephen Serio was our second, I believe our second guest on the show. It comes on once a week. You listeners can find it here on the Cars yeah website. And he had just bought himself one of those uh, shooting brakes, the brand new Aston Martin shooting brake that is just an insane, I think it's a half million dollar just wonder car uh he just got it not too long ago uh, loves it so i think i think you're gonna be okay lawrence i think you're gonna be happy sitting in this car i have no doubt uh it's gonna cost me a pretty penny though that's for sure <laughs> yeah so uh, but that's okay that's okay i offered so you know i'll come through for you uh what color would you like yours to be well, uh, I I think white, even though that may not be as in 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 one's face. I, I think the understatement would help, but a white one. Okay, I'll get to work on that for you, Lawrence. You've taken me on a really fun ride today. Been great getting to know you better. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners. Would you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off down the sunset in that wonderful Aston Martin? <laughs> I'm going to offer something that was inspired by another one of your guests, Cindy Sisson. Yes, Cindy's wonderful. Which is for us to pay more attention to the women drivers in racing. She put me onto that, and you know, she might have mentioned uh, to you uh, separately, Lynn St. James is her very good friend, uh-huh. and introduced me to her. And I started to think we almost never hear about them. And since then, I've really paid attention, and I am amazed at the achievements throughout the whole the last hundred years of fine woman racing drivers. Uh, and so uh, I, I think they deserve a lot more credit. And I find it very exciting to find one, you know, Tatiana Calderon, any, you know, there was the, the tragedy of um, uh, the uh, high speed driver. Oh, Jesse Combs. Yes. Yes. I think these women deserve a lot, lot more credit than they get. It's not that it's being withheld. It's that we don't pay attention. And they're, they're enormous. There's a couple of young women in Saudi Arabia now who are evolving into very good uh, race drivers. Um, and it's all over the world. And I think that's going to be a, a very exciting uh, thing to focus on going forward. I would agree with you. Cindy, of course, a big shout out to her. She's been so kind to me. She's introduced me to incredible people like yourself. Lynn St. James been a guest here. Uh, the late Jesse Combs, she was a guest here. We tragically lost last year. In fact, if you go to the Cars yeah website, there's a resources tab at the top. That will categorize all my guests into their categories. And there's one category called women. There's several hundred plus women listed there. I encourage you listeners to go check them all out. Listen to their shows. Uh, very happy the day that we're recording your show here, Lawrence. I have a, a drag racer on my show that's a woman, uh, Dina Parisi. She is uh, running a just killer, massive dragster. Uh, she used to be an ice skater in the ice capades. Wow. What do you do after uh, you quit? How about that? 
Yeah, so women uh, in this sport, the late Denise McCluggage, of course, was a guest on my show. Uh, love to support women, so go check that out, listeners. What's the best way for people to follow along with you and what you're doing? I would say um, I, I will give you the alert when all the websites are, are, yes. are back up today. Please um, do. That's probably the best way. I you know I post some photos on Instagram and that, but it's it's really just things I happen to see. I I haven't been blogging, and I do want to start doing that. Okay. But I would say the website, but bespoke British sports cars in a few weeks' time, and the and that will cross reference to the others as well. Absolutely, I'll make sure I put those links on your show notes page. Hey, Lawrence, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise, and for sharing your incredible life story. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mike. I enjoyed it. You're welcome. I did too. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to carsyeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.